We're in this series called Serve, and today I wanna talk to you about this topic called greatness. Greatness, and that sounds very contradictory when you're talking about serving because it should have a different mindset or, or a different atmosphere than one trying to be great, but I wanna bring it down into spiritual terms today and just kind of make it make sense to you. Let's go to our original text that we're using all month long in this series. It says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, but you don't give them the things needed for the body, then what good is that? What good were your words? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And every July, we take this month as our serve month to come back to this topic to remind us for the rest of the year that our motive and our goal in life is to be servants of Jesus, that we never lose the mindset of who we are and why we're here. And so greatness, greatness is an individual who possesses the desire and ability to be better than others. High standing, high standards distinguished and set apart. And there's nothing wrong with that, and I'll share with it in a moment, that if you're gonna do something, why not try to be great at it? There's nothing wrong with being great at something. I mean, if I, when I played ball for 14 years, I wanted to be the best one on the team. If I play your nine-year-old in ping pong, I'm gonna try to win. <laughs> Probably won't, but I'm gonna try, okay? Put me on the ball field, and I'm pretty confident there. Ping pong paddle just don't work for me, all right? But, but be, if you're gonna do something, try to be great at it. But the scripture tells us that Jesus demonstrates to us that everything in the spiritual operates completely opposite of the natural, isn't it? He tells us in scripture that, that uh, if you wanna receive, what? Give, and the natural is like hoard it up, get it and save it and keep it and hoard it up. And then Jesus comes in and messes with our mind and says, no, if you wanna have, you give and I'll give back to you and more. And it's the same way in greatness that Jesus comes in and the scripture I'm gonna to read to you and he says, you wanna be great? Humble yourself. Because today everybody wants to be great, but they're looking at it in a different term. Let's go to the text I wanna show you today in Matthew chapter 20. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, which was James and John, two of the 12 disciples, then the mother of Zebedee's sons, James and John, came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, ask a favor of him. What is it you want, Jesus asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left hand in your kingdom. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? And that cup was a cup of suffering, by the way. We can, they answered. But when the 10, the other 10 disciples heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers. Jesus called them all together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them and their high officials exercise authority over them, but not so with you. Instead, talking about the 12, now you gotta remember, if you go back in scripture, put everything in context, the 12 had just come out of this massive verbal debate over who's the greatest. 
And who's the king, who's the greatest in the kingdom of the 12? And, and even to the point that Peter said, you know what, Jesus, they may all leave you, but I'll be with you to death. Remember, Jesus looked at him and said, before the cock even crows three, cock crows, you're gonna deny me three times. I mean, he brought him right back down to reality and it happened, okay? And so they've, they've had this big debate and so Jesus comes in and says, and your rulers and your leaders, they try to be great by stressing their authority and their power to rule over people, but not you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, this is the very reason that Jesus told James and John that they didn't know what they were asking. When they asked to sit down at his right and left hand, and then Jesus said, can you drink this cup that I'm about to drink? And they said, we can. They had no idea of the cup that he was about to partake of. They had just seen the blessings of Jesus while he ministered among them. Now he's about to die. They had not experienced that part of Jesus' life. And Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking because there's a level of suffering that's about to come into ministering and serving other people. And so when we look at this, we've got to come and realize, he said that rulers and, and high officials use power and authority to intimidate and rule over people as a means of obtaining greatness. But Jesus obtained greatness by becoming a servant a slave, a ransom for all of lost mankind. Don't we see it today? Sports figures, politicians, even ministry, everybody wants to be the greatest or at least wants to be classified as that. Greatest boxer of all time. Greatest basketball player of all times. You know, is it LeBron? Is it this one? Is it that one? Who, who's the greatest? Everybody wants to be labeled the greatest. But Jesus comes in and he says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves, he'll exalt. And he reverses it on us and tells us we've got things backwards. As I said, the disciples were in a debate over who was the greatest. Peter, he was proud of his outspoken personality. He could win a debate with anybody, but he lost the battle on the field. Matthew was proud of his ability and success as an accountant. Philip was proud of his evangelistic nature. James and John were proud of their strength and bravery. The fact is, everyone desires to be great, but you don't desire to be the best you can do. You know, why even do it if you're not gonna be the best? When, when I played baseball, I wanted to be that guy when it was tied and we're in the last inning and the bases are loaded. You would look over there and there's guys on the bench going, uh, don't call me. I want to be called, man. I want that opportunity to get the hit and win this game. I mean, if you're going to be on the team, why not be there to win? And it's the same way in life, and it's the same way in ministry that if you're going to be on the team, you ought to want to win. And I had guys on my ball team, they didn't care if we won or lost. I'm like, look, I'm not practicing five days a week to come out here and just mediocre this thing. We're in this thing to win. You ought to be that way in life. And we've settled with mediocrity today in life that it's okay if I lose. No, you gotta come back. I wanna be great at whatever I do. I can't do everything, but whatever I know my gifts and my passions are, I ought to desire to be great at it so that Jesus can be glorified in it. And he comes in and he tells us the way you become great is not the, the who, it's the why. And today our greatness is, is all determined by whose name comes behind it rather than why are you great? 
What makes you great? And I want to talk to you today about some points on this thing called greatness because understanding the why eliminates the who. Why do I want to be great in ministry? Why do I want to be great in my career? Why do I want to be great in success? Why do I want to be great? That why has to override the who. Because when you exalt the who, the why goes away and it doesn't last that long. And so let's look at this thing called greatness. Number one, greatness is a choice. And I love this part because the desire for greatness is not wrong. Just know the walk, the path Jesus gave us to get there. You've got to walk that path. And in Matthew, it says, whoever wants to become great. Anybody here want to be great? Rest of you. Anybody here want to be great? Yes. I want to be a great husband. I want my wife to say she got the best one. Now, I ain't never heard her say that yet, but I want to hear. <laughs> I want my kids to go, I got the greatest dad in the world. Any fathers out there? I really want them to be able to say that. I want to hear that. And they can show that by cutting the grass every now and then. You know what I mean? And... Uh, <clears throat> but... It, if you're going to do it, be great at it, right? But here's what Jesus said. He says, anybody that wants to be great, is there anyone among you that wants to be great? Okay, you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. He gives us a choice. Jesus is saying he wants everyone in his kingdom to be great. He opens the door for everyone to have this quality of greatness, this opportunity. And then he messes with our heads and our minds because the carnal self-centered says, you want to be great? Go make your name known. Go be somebody. Go be praised. Go be elevated. Go be admired. Go be exhausted. And then Jesus comes in and goes, no, you want to be great? Go serve. Go serve the people you're wanting to applaud you. Go serve the people that you're wanting to exalt you. Go serve the people that you're wanting to be so great you have authority and power over. You go serve them. And when you serve them, you become great in my kingdom no matter how they see you in theirs. You see, Abraham... Abraham was a liar. He was a man of fear. He offered his wife, Sarah, to the king as his sister because he was afraid that he was going to lose his life. He was a man that had some issues, but God said, you know what? I see a man that wants to be great, and he called him the father of faith. And all through the scripture, Abraham is known as the father of faith. He's the one that now went and sacrificed his own son on the altar. God took a man that had all these issues, but he wanted to be great, and God allowed him to great, be great when Abraham saw that his greatness came in his service. Moses. Moses was a man who was born under a death threat. He was a murderer. He was on the run for 40 years from God in the wilderness. But God said, I need a deliverer of my people. And God made Moses great because Moses' desire now was not to be known by the people. It was to be known by God. Look at David. David was born under a curse by God himself. He was an adulterer and a murderer, but God said, I need a king. And David was willing to, to move past his insecurities, failures, and frailty, and God made him the king of Israel. There's a greatness inside of every one of us in this morning that God wants to bring to the surface, but it's not going to come through man's way. It's going to come when we understand God's way. Let's look at that today because I want to be great in God's kingdom. When I get to heaven, I want some of them prophets of old going, Come on, Dan, fist bump, boom. 
Come on, let's go hang out with some, some of those Ezekiels and Daniels. Do some fist bumps and say, man, what did God do when you was there? Let me tell you some stories about what he did when I was there. Let's share the stories of God's greatness through our ability and desire to serve. You see, the key to these guys is they all made a choice to respond to the voice and the call of God. Because when you and I ignore that known call of God in our life, we forfeit the opportunity of greatness. When we know God has created us with purpose, he's created us with destiny. We know the gifts that are within us. We know the call of God that's on our life. And it's not all to preach or it's not all to play an instrument. I wish I could play that keyboard, but I can't. And you don't want me to. I wish I could get a microphone like these guys and sing and sound like them. I don't, so you don't want me to. I don't have the ability that other people have, but I know what God's gifted me to do. And I'm going to put my focus there rather than fussing at him on what he didn't give me to do and be the best I can be at it for the glory of God and serve the people that God has placed before me to lead. And we've got to come today and realize that when you forfeit your purpose, you forfeit your greatness. We've got to come and grab hold of that. When you say yes to that call, yes to that purpose, you then just open the heavens and everything heaven has becomes available at your disposal in the greatness that God wants to build through you in impacting the world and society that surrounds you as we serve the people God put in our influence. You see much frustration and confusion in the life of people in the church today. It's just they haven't said yes to God yet. Haven't said yes to their purpose and their calling yet. There's a choice of greatness. Number two, greatness requires humility. Humility is the willingness to give up your rights for the cause of others. Matthew 20 again, verse 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, kingdom greatness is about serving while worldly greatness is about ruling. Kingdom greatness is found in serving. Worldly greatness is found in ruling. Kingdom greatness focuses on people. Worldly greatness focuses on oneself. But John 6, 38 says, for I have come down from heaven. Jesus said, I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of the Father. Worldly greatness is about popularity, riches, and fame, while kingdom greatness is all about this thing called humility. Jesus gave us a prime example in Philippians 2, verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death on the cross, that Jesus, the deity, part of the Trinity, the Godhead in heaven, God himself, he was perfect God, but he saw a lost mankind that had been separated from God himself, and Jesus volunteered, and he humbled himself. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, that Jesus made this choice. Jesus came in and he humbled himself to the point that he gave up his rights as his deity to become a man just like you and I. That's called humility. And you see, though he never stopped being God, though he never gave up being God 
in his humility that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He did not stop being God, but he did give up some rights that he had when he was God and part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead. He gave up the right to comfort. Because how many knows heaven's a pretty good place to be? But he left the riches of heaven and became poor that you and I might be rich. He left the palace of heaven with streets of gold and was born in a manger in a stable with the animals and in poverty. He left the riches of heaven that Jesus and all of his deity, he gave up the comfort to the point that when Jesus was tired and weary and they were looking for him to find a place to sleep one night and they could not even find him a bed and Jesus said the foxes have the holes and the birds have the nest of the air but the son of man doesn't even have one place to lay his head and sleep. He gave up the right of comfort. He gave up the right of acceptance. He left the heaven where his father and the Holy Spirit and he were one and now he comes to an earth to save it, to serve it. And he's rejected by his family and friends, betrayed by a brother, falsely accused, abandoned, murdered by those claiming to be his own. He gave up his rights to save himself from the hands of his executioners. He gave up his rights to leave mankind alone and die in their wickedness. He gave up the right to just let us go when he said, I will. He gave up his rights to go back on his redemptive plan for lost mankind. He carried it through. He finished his course so that you and I could sit here today and be called the redeemed of the Lord. All because he was willing to humble himself and become a man just like us. Jesus teaches us that greatness is found in humility, the willingness to give up some of our rights for the cause and the rights of others. And that's a lost trait in America today. It's all about me, all about my feelings, all about what I think, all about my opinion, all about what's right for me. But humility comes in where I want to look through your eyes and I want to think with your mind and I want to feel with your emotions and I want to know what you're really feeling because I want to help you carry that. And we've got to come today and realize that, that greatness comes through a choice and greatness comes through humility that it's not about the who, it's all about the why. Number three, greatness focuses on serving. True greatness is not found in how many people serve you. Greatness is found in how many people you serve. Greatness is not how many people are on my staff that serve me. Greatness is found when I'm serving my staff. Greatness is not found in how many people I can say attend this church every week and go, I pastor five, 600 people. Greatness is found when I can serve those five, 600 people and have a team that's with a spirit of serving, not to be served. And when we come and understand that, that greatness is found in serving, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many, Paul said in Galatians, you, my brothers and sisters, I love this, well, what? Called to be free. How many are thankful that Jesus came into your journey and set you free today? Come on, anybody in here just thankful for that? Yeah, that's worth an applause. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Jesus came and did it. He paid it. He supplied it. He provided it so you don't have to live in your sin and your bondage. You've been called to be free, but watch this. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh, but rather serve one another humbly in love. God said, I didn't come and heal you and set you free just for you to live for you. 
Now go have some fun. Enjoy life. Live it up to the fullest, but don't forget who did that for you and go help somebody else to enjoy the same experience. That he set us free. Now let's go impact somebody else's life. Don't use it just to indulge in your flesh, but serve one another in humility and in love. You see, many Christians dislike the idea of serving. They love the idea of getting, but serving? Hmm. Because carnal, selfish people have this great need of being catered to. Anybody know some people like that? It's all about them, all about them. Oh, they're out there. We get calls, matter of fact. They even stop by once in a while. They run from church to church looking for someone that will exalt them, promote their ministry, let them sing, put them on the stage, rather than connecting with a church family, identifying their gifts and passions, and then go impact their sphere of influence with it. Because it doesn't impress God what we do in here on Sunday. What impresses God is how good of a servant are you when you get to work on Monday. Now, keep serving on Sunday. This is boot camp. Don't y'all quit on me now. But we gotta come and understand that, that our greatness is found in our willingness and our ability to serve. That's why we have Grow Track. And let me just challenge you right now. As we get ready to move in this new endeavor, it's a big step of faith for us, but man, God has opened this door wide open for us. I mean, it's just no question that this is God. And then we just keep getting more and more confirmation as the days go by. But I just wanna challenge you, if you've already gone through Grow Track and, and you're not serving somewhere right now on the Dream Team on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, we have a high percentage of this church that serves in every Sunday, every service, but we need more. There's more doors of opportunity. We want everybody in this church serving that will. But if you're not part of the dream team now and you've been through Grow Track, there's tents outside this morning and next week. Go by there. Remind them of what your gifts and your passions were and just get them to connect you, get your information, and then one of our coaches is gonna contact you because we're about to make a new move and there's wide open doors for everybody in this church to serve. If you've never been through Grow Track, make it on your calendar the first three weeks of August. Each Sunday night for an hour and a half, we're gonna feed you a great meal and then we're gonna share with you and we're gonna help find your gifts and your talents. How did God create you? What are your passions? Because we want you to serve out of your passions, not out of a need, so that you love doing what you do. And let's all, as a body of Christ, come together and let's serve. When we go over to the new building, there's room for us to have one service, but we're not. We will never have one service in this church. I don't care if they give us a 10,000 seat auditorium. We will always, we're not having three. Thank God for that. Thank God, no three. Woo, I feel like I just went to heaven. I'm getting old, folks, I'm telling you. I know these young whippersnappers can just jump up here and do this, but my 57-year-old body is going, I'm tired by three, all right? My recliner loves me on Sunday morning, Amen. afternoons. But we are keeping two. Here's why we're keeping two, because the motto of this church is sit one, serve one. Sit one, serve one. And just think about it, what happens when we have two services at nine and 11, when we go over there, and we're challenging everybody in the church. Now, if you don't do that, we're not kicking you out of the church. We're just asking you to, to think about it, pray about it, but there's so many opportunities to serve in your passion. And what we're challenging is let's have the whole church there for both services. But during one service, one group's just serving. They're ushering, greeting, parking lot, children, nursery, everything, music, whatever. And the other service, they sit. And they just get and receive. So everybody in the church is sitting in one, serving in one. There's never a lack 
because God's got so much talent and gifts in here, there's never a need. With me? That's, we're doubling our workload for the reason that we can have everybody in this church receiving the word of God every Sunday, not teaching and not hearing the word, and everybody gets to receive and the opportunity for everybody to serve because in our serving is when we become great in the kingdom. Good preaching. Thank you. Because here's Hebrews. I love this scripture. One of my favorite. I've got to hurry and wrap up here. Get this. God is not unjust. How many knows that? Now remember, I just talked about serving, plugging in, finding your gift, then operating in your gift. Because how many's been in that church or that business where they said, we need somebody to do this and you volunteered and three weeks later went, why did I do that? Ah, I should have never done that. We don't want you to do that here. We want to find out what are you passionate about? Do you love children? Do you love music? Are you good with people? If you don't like people, we'll put you serving where you don't have to talk to nobody. If you hate people, we don't want you greeting at the door. You don't build a good church like that. If you don't like people, we'll have you watching the parking lot when nobody's out there. But God is not unjust. Watch this. I've got to quit. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him. How? As you have helped his people and continue to help them. Man, I love that. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. God wants you to know that he's watching you. He's keeping a record on what you're doing. He's not just up there going, yeah, they greeted at the door in that service. They could have been gone, but they, no, he's keeping a record of that. He's watching your work and he's gonna reward you accordingly. He hadn't forgot. He's not unjust. He's keeping that. He's watching that. And God rewards us amazingly on that, doesn't he? And, and Kathy and I are witness to that as we, I remember when we were in the Bronx, New York, just married, and, and she's 20 and I'm 21, and we packed up a U-Haul and headed to the Bronx, New York from Central Florida three weeks after we're married. We're just kids. We thought we were grown. We're in the South Bronx, and, and I'm volunteered at the church 60 hours a week working for no income. She's a bank teller making $137 a week. what she brought home. Our rent was $600 a month. You figure that out. On a one-bedroom apartment with iron gates on every window, five locks on the front door. Yeah, welcome to the South Bronx. And we found our, bank, our checkbooks a while back and we looked at them and we went, there's no way under the sun that we could have financially made it, but God somehow sovereignly. Amen. It was a sovereign miracle of heaven. When you, when you plug into God's purpose in your life, he's not an unjust God. He's keeping record. And boy, his reward is amazing. And we were talking just recently about our life and our marriage in these 36 years and how God has so favored us in so many ways, we Hawaii trips that we didn't pay for. We, we've got a mansion in Jamaica on the Caribbean right there that we can go stay in anytime we want. A friend of ours family owns it. And they say, you got a free ride anytime you want to do it. I like friends like that. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and we got a call just this past week. And, and a, guy, a, a guy's wealthy guy, he says, I just want you and your wife to know we know you're pastoring a growing church and there's a lot of stress and ministry. And I got a two-bedroom townhouse right in the elite area of Atlanta, Georgia and I want to give you the code to the door and you and your wife go stay anytime you want to. Just go and get some rest. Okay. 
We're, we're going away this week after the trip to for celebrate our 36-year anniversary to St. Simon's Island. And, and the lady that owns the condo, yeah, hallelujah. The, la- the lady that owns the condo, she, she con- called me. We were out to eat with a couple, and she called me, and she said, you know, I just want to let you guys have another night or two for free. Y'all plan on staying some extra time and just hang out and rest some. She don't even know us. Because when God sees your serving spirit, he's a just God. And he'll provide for you what you can't make happen on your own. Come on, you with me today? Last of all, and I close with this one, greatness requires total commitment. Greatness requires total commitment. Just as the Son of Man came, he came to give his life a ransom. I call that total commitment. Gave his life a ransom for many. Proverbs 16, 3 says, commit your works to the Lord. And man, I keep saying they're some of my favorite, but I'm using a lot of them today. I've, I've, I've lived on them through my life of ministry. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans, he'll establish them. He'll make you succeed in a business like that fast. He'll make you climb the ladder that fast. He'll bring promotions on you that quick. When you put kingdom first, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things, just like I was just sharing about Kathy and I, all these things be added to you. He just has a way of just fulfilling the desires of your heart when you seek his kingdom first. And when I serve, when I serve and I make that level of commitment that you know what? It's more than about me. It's about you and about others that need you. All of a sudden, God does some unique things in the spiritual realm. You see, commitment is devoting oneself to something or to someone. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've been in ministry 36 years. I'm about to be 58 next month. I don't feel 58, but she tells me I still am. No, she don't. But I'm going to tell you, I was 21 when my wife and I packed up a U-Haul and went to the South Bronx, New York, and man, I was ready to win the world. I was ready to walk through hell with a squirt gun. I mean, I, I'm just ready to win the world for Jesus. I feel like that right now. I, that's exactly how I feel right now. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. I don't know why, another building, another location. I, I don't know what it is, but I can't sleep. I'm not sleeping. I, I, my heart's like double beat right now. I've just got so much vision and adrenaline going on inside of me right now. I cannot sleep. I'm like that 21-year-old that just got a call of God on his life to go win a world for Jesus. And that's how I feel as your pastor right now. That could be good or bad for you. I don't know yet if, what's that's, going, if that's good or bad. You need to pray, all right? But I just, I just got this burning feeling in my heart that God's getting ready to do something pretty powerful through this church. And, and God began to speak to me this week in prayer in the middle of the night. And I began to see this church. And God began to show me that over these years, there's been years to get this church, and we're not a perfect church. If you've been here more than 30 minutes, you figured that out, all right? We're not perfect. The day I walked in, I just messed that all up, all right? But I will tell you this, and God began to speak to my heart. God can plant this church anywhere he wants because he's taken years to intentionally build it with all of our diversity and all of our giftings and callings He can plant us with the rich and he can plant us with the poor. He can plant us with the red, yellow, black, or white. He can plant us with the well or he can plant us among the sick. He can plant us with those that are educated or he can plant us with those that are ignorant with no education. He can plant us in the place of safety or he can plant us in the area of great crime and we will thrive. 
We will thrive because we have the heartbeat of Jesus and the mind of Christ and the love of the Father among our body and he can sow us anywhere he wants to sow us and we will thrive in the kingdom because we have the right heart, right motive and the right people and we're about to let hell know you don't own this city no more. And rather than take us away from the needs, he's taking us into the heart of the need. And I've always said, you want to kill the monster? Get the heart of the monster. God's sending us right into the heart, the need of this community. You see, not just a church, not just a place for the people of that community to see another church show up where Christians drive in in their nice cars and get out in their nice clothes and they have an hour and a half service and then they get back in their car and they leave them and they come back seven days later and there's no impact in that community. No, you don't have to live there, but they're going to think we live there. Because I've already been walking those streets. I've already met the business owners in the air. I've already introduced myself as we're a pastor here to serve you and serve your employees. I've walked the street. Matter of fact, I met two of the drug dealers here this past week on a street corner walking around, and they thought I was in there buying. <laughs> <laughs> really did. I love that. I love that, you know. Got my flip-flops and my shorts on just walking around, and what's this white, gray-haired dude down here? You looking for something? Uh, just a new preacher in the area. One of them bolted. One of them stayed, and I got his story, and I know where he lives, and I'm going back to meet with him, going to meet his parents, this time his mama, and he's come out of a whole life, a whole, whole generation of drug addicts. Let me just share with you, Romans 12, I've got to close. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies is a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world where it's all about us, all about me, all about what's God gonna give me, who's gonna serve me. Now we gotta change from that. He said, don't, don't be in the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, God's good, pleasing, and perfect will. God began to just let me see this area as I walked around in our community, our community here, our city, that God's called Transformation Church to minister to children and adults who are so angry, yet they don't even know what their issues of anger are. To minister to a society that has no concept of values and discipline. He's called us to track down and find those children who have no goals, no dreams, no fathers, little or no education, begin to serve them into their new life and their new journey to move back into our communities overcome with drugs, crime, evil, and wickedness and declare that the gospel of Jesus is still a light set on a hill that cannot be hidden. And the darker it gets around us, the greater that light's gonna shine. It's gonna shine where the people that are lost and hurting, you don't put a lighthouse and there's not a harbor to keep ships safe. Harbors were not made to keep ships safe. Ships were not made for a harbor. Ships were made for an open sea. And the lighthouse was not made for a ship to sit safe in that harbor. A lighthouse was made so a ship in the midst of the stormy sea can find the safety of that place to dwell. And God's calling us as a church to be that lighthouse. 
let people know here's a safe place you can come. He's called us not to judge the young man with his pants around his waist or the young woman that's having three babies and she's 16 or to get into their world. He's calling us to find the root of the issue and bring a remedy rather than a curse. Be a solution. To reach out to that young mother who's worked two and three jobs to put a roof over her children. The one who's laid in bed with a stranger just to put food in the stomach of her baby and diapers on us behind. Rather than sit back and say, how dare you? Then let's come and help change her world a little bit. Give her hope. Give her a remedy. To reach out into a community of girls and boys who have lost their identity. Boys wanting to be girls and girls wanting to be boys. Confusion owns their minds. But Jesus has sent forth his church to be a light of direction and hope in a world so dark and despairing. To rescue the young men who think their manhood is defined by the ability to carry a gun. And they think going to prison is a badge of honor. We got to stop that. To help that man who has lost his manhood and identity in life to understand that he's not a loser or a failure, but a man with purpose and destiny. To locate and embrace the children and young people who think church is an option, graduation isn't doable, and college isn't isn't even something that they can attain and redirect them and let them know, we're gonna have a GED class that you're gonna come to for free and we're gonna help you get your education and we're gonna mentor and tutor your children help them get not only through high school, but we're going to help get them in college. And we're going for grant money to help some of these kids get to college. To stop just for a moment, let the lady walking down Cervantes, and I met three of them too, know that you're not defined by your pimp and your John. You're defined by the word of God that says you're fearfully and you're wonderfully made in the very image of the God that has created you and we're gonna help you find a new journey in life. But it's gonna cost us something to make that happen. It preaches good, but it's a whole new thing to walk it out. To be a church that's more concerned about the people who are not in the church than we are for those that are already here. Did y'all get that one? We're gonna take care of you but our concern should be the ones that aren't here yet because they don't know what you and I know yet. Last of all, to understand that God has called us to be rulers, heirs, and joint heirs, to be above and not beneath, to be the head and not the tail, to never forget that had it not been for the grace of Jesus, had it not been for his outstretched arm, you and I could be that person out there today that we're trying to go reach. But by his grace, by his love, We're the ones on the inside ready to go out rather than the ones on the outside that don't think they can ever get in. So what does that mean, Pastor? God says, you want to be great? Serve. You want to be great in my kingdom? Connect with your gift and the passion that I place within you. Let's go serve. Let's do it together as a body. Let's do it as a kingdom. What does that mean to us? Here's what I'm asking. We're not going to kick anybody out and we're not going to think less or anything like that. I'm just putting a call out. That's all. Just trying to pastor and lead. Because we're going to be moving in September. We're August. We're getting it all ready. September, we're going to go have two trial run services and we're going to have a grand opening. We're sending out about 20,000 invites to families in this community. We're going to be knocking on doors. We're doing Facebook. It's going to be a big, big month for us. But if I have a thousand people coming there and I don't have people at doors and Get where I'm going? 
What I want to ask you, what I'm asking everyone in this church is we're going to have two services, 9 and 11, 9 and 11. And I'm going to ask you to seriously pray about it. Pick the one you want to sit in and just receive and then serve in the other one. Let's commit our Sunday mornings to the kingdom. And let's become great. Let's become great in the kingdom by serving. Not asking you to serve somewhere you don't want. Let's find your gifts. Let's find your passion that you'll love doing what you do. We got one parking lot here. We got two over there. Gonna be plenty of guys we need in the parking lot just putting people in the right place. If you hate people, that's a great place to serve. <clears throat> just don't say anything to anybody when they get out. <laughs> Greeters, connect teams. Because we got one entrance there, here. We got several over there. That means more opportunities to serve. Ushers to help maintain the service. Security. We don't talk about our security a lot here because we don't want to, but we have one of the strongest security teams in the nation right here, every service. We pay professional people to come in and train our security team here every month to protect you, to make sure you and your children and everybody's safe and everything's good and they know where they're at and we know where they're at. There's monitors on all the property here every, every minute we're here. But security teams for that Sound and technology, those that love computer, guys like me, it makes no sense. We're glad you like to do it. But we have open doors for that. Kids Zone, gonna have a monster children's ministry over there. Building a big room, Kids Zone. And we've got two, we've got two whole big areas there. And then, and then we've got checking. We've got, we need, there's open doors for people to teach our children. There's assistance room just to be in there and assist if you don't want to teach. And, and if you don't like children at all, you can check them in and check them out. Say goodbye. And just smile and act like you love them on the way out, all right? Just check them out. You only have to go into the room. But we've got to have people there or we can't have the ministry, right? And guess what? We've got four separate areas for what we call the TC Haven. That's our special needs. Four separate areas so that they're not all in one room. Now, I appreciate the claps, but every room has to have two servers in it, or legally we can't put the children in there. Listen to me, that's eight every service, just there. But here's the great news. We've got so many families waiting for us to get that facility ready with special needs children. We're not even trying to encourage them to come right now because we're so limited on our space that we couldn't even do them justice. But they know we're going there. And we also have a major TV station in this town waiting for us to get it going. And they're going to do a story on us. We've already been told that. I just need to get the servers and the workers in there and get the rooms ready. And, and we've got hundreds, literally, and I've got special needs families in here right now doing this. There's hundreds of special needs families out there waiting for us just to get it ready. And that's going to be the launch of us having our own special needs church campus. That one day we're going to have a total campus like this is geared nothing but for special needs families so that their needs can be met with therapy and counseling and doctors and the ministry. It's going to happen. We're going to have two nurseries over there. That means double workers. So what are you saying, Pastor? Everybody look at me. You want to be great? Sign up. Get on the team. 
I'm not pressuring you. Don't feel, I don't want you to feel like, man, I don't even want to go to that church right now if I ain't doing nothing. No, come on back because I'm going to keep telling you long enough till you start doing it. But no, we just want you to come and be you, but I do want you to pray. Will you do that? And go by the tent and just give your name and your information and it's not committing to anything and just let them know that, hey, here's an area I think I have a passion. If you've not been through Grow Track, come out August, the first Sunday of August and go through those th three Sunday nights and let's get plugged in. Let's go make an impact. Is anybody excited as I am or even close? Just Let's go do it. I'm ready. I'm ready. My staff just needs to watch out because I'm ready. I'm so ready. Let's do this together in Jesus' name. Amen. Bow your heads with me. Father, I thank you today for your goodness. I thank you for your greatness. And I just pray right now over this body today, Father, that you will help each one of us. That, God, we will understand today that you're calling us. You're calling every one of us, God. You put gifts and talents and passions and dreams. Not just for us. We do get to enjoy them as we said, God, and you've got great things in store for us, the desires of our hearts and the blessings of heaven. But God, you want us to stop and take a few minutes of that blessing and go bless somebody else. And God, I just pray that you speak to the heart of every person in this building today and we just find that dream. We find that passion. We connect with that purpose. It's something we love to do because it's who you made us. And now we go serve somebody with it. And I thank you for this body that serves so wonderfully and well. And we just pray, God, you continue to add to it. Right now, if you're here and you say, Pastor Dan, I'm, I'm at point one right now. I need Jesus in my life. I, I just need to start over right now. I just need a new beginning. And I, I need to make a decision. I need to say yes to Jesus. Pray for me. If that's you right now and you need that, I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to come to you. I just want to pray a prayer for you. You say, right now, I'm not where I need to be with Jesus, but I want to be. Pray for me. If that's you, would you slip a hand up right where you sit? God bless you. You can put your hand down. Anyone else, very quickly. I need Jesus in my life today. I need that new beginning. Pray for me. Anyone else? If you raise your hand or you did not, maybe you're online. You pray this prayer with me, and we're going to pray it with you. Say, dear Jesus, you said in your word, if I would just come to you, confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Believe in my heart that you raised from the dead. I can be saved. Right now, I come to you. I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. I believe in my heart you raised from the dead. And I receive you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, you join me and let's give a hand clap for these that pray today. Let, let me say this. If you prayed today, if you raised your hand or you did not and you accepted Christ into your heart, will you do us one more favor as our ushers come? Would you take that Connect card out? And on the end there, there's a box that says, I recommitted my life to Christ today or I committed my life to Christ for the first time today. Would you fill that out for us and you can drop it in the offering bucket or take it by the Connect Center? That's gonna let us know that you made that decision today and it's gonna let us know to pray for you and we wanna get the right tools in your hand to help you. In Jesus' name. Come on, one more time. Let's give God a hand clap for these that have prayed today. God bless you. God bless you.